0: Hey guys, a little bit of a different week. This week we wanted to just come together, and you know, it's October, and we got this scary story series, so we wanted to just get around together, almost like we're at a campfire. And we just had a fall retreat, and that was crazy, but it felt just so authentic and so real and so refreshing, and so we wanted to kind of just continue that into this week. And, and I just want to say welcome once again to Next High School. If you don't know, we, this is... This is Next High School. You are here currently. This is what we call the underground. We meet here every single week, starting with dinner in the underground cafe at 7 p.m., and then we come in here at 7.30 for worship and teaching. Usually it looks a little bit different than this, but I love this setup. Uh, My name is Jacob Rasmussen. I have the awesome privilege of getting to work here, and I would absolutely love to meet you if we haven't yet met. And we say something here at Next High School. We say that Wednesday nights are the best night of the week. And we say that a lot. We put it everywhere. We say it all the time. It's all over social media. And we say it for a lot of different reasons, but one reason I'm saying it tonight is because I just believe that Wednesday nights are one of those places in our week where we can really just step away from all the noise, step away from all the chaos and the stress of life and all the homework that I'm putting off and just come before God and experience him. And so that's my hope for tonight. And candidly, guys, I, when I was worshiping five minutes ago, I felt God just like put something on my heart to share with you all. And so I'm going to do that. And it's this. I just think a lot of us in this room, including myself, need to be reminded that we never graduate from the gospel. Like the gospel is everything for the Christian life. It's the thing that saves you. It's the thing that sustains you. It's the thing that gets you to the end, right? Faithfulness to the end, and that is the gospel, and we never graduate from it. No matter how many times you hear it, no matter how, no matter how many times you go to church and go on Wednesdays and go to fall retreats, we never graduate from the, from the gospel. So I want to start up tonight by having you all close your eyes. Close your eyes. And with your eyes closed, I want you to envision the scariest thing you have ever Done. I mean, the most nerve wracking, paralyzing, death defying thing that you have ever done in your life. You're laughing. I can hear it. I'm concerned. All right, if you have it in your head, just keep it in your mind. You can open your eyes. Just keep that one tucked away for a moment. You see, for me, the moment that I envisioned was the first time I ever went rappelling off the side of a mountain. If you don't know what rappelling is, it's basically like hanging from a rope. Over a mountain face and lowering yourself down. It sounds pretty simple. You're like, that sounds super boring. How is that scary? Let me tell you picture that you are hanging hundreds of feet off the ground, off a mountain, and this 18 year old girl is basically holding your life in her hands. Like, that is a whole different picture, and that is what I experienced. Let me tell you, I was scared, I was nervous, I was hesitating. Not because I'm scared of heights. Like, I pride myself on not being scared of heights. You can ask the boys that I go to Valley Fair with all the time. I love heights. But I was scared of falling to my death. And then this girl looks at me in full confidence. She's like, all right, go lean over the edge. Okay. <laughs> so I slowly walk past her. I make my way over to the ledge, I'm strapped up, helmet on, everything's good to go. Turn my back to the view. And somehow, all of a sudden, out-of-body experience, I'm leaning fully, legs, legs extended over the ledge of this mountain. Don't know why I did it, but it was quite the experience. So I start going. I'm like, okay, I'm still really scared about what's going to happen. Like, I could easily fall to my death at any moment. But as I continued on, I look to my right, and I see the sunrise over the mountains in the distance. I'm like, okay, this is kind of fun. I kind of like this. It's, a little, it's still a little bit scary, but I kind of like this. Uh, and eventually, I get to the bottom, and I just had this feeling of, man, I need to do that again. I need to do that again. Now, bring, your, bring back to mind your scary moment that you just thought of. Maybe it was somewhat similar to mine, but no matter what, we, no matter what it was, we know that this is true. Is that anything scary that we face in life, we must face in the presence of fear. Like there is no magical way to just remove fear from those types of situations. They're simply just scary. Fear will always be there. But what's also true is that there are ways to face fear with boldness. Ways to approach scary things in our life with confidence and a boldness that allows us to walk through them. For me, it was trusting the girl who seemed so confident in knowing that I would be safe. And I start there tonight because this message is called Fighting Fear in Faithfulness. See, something that I've been convicted about lately is how easily we tend to neglect sharing the gospel. The thing that we don't graduate from, right? We neglect to share the gospel too often because we have fear or we are intimidated by it. And we have a we have a deep deep fear of awkwardness. I think it's gotten worse during COVID. And our culture is so infested with another pandemic called pleasing people. And so we think something like, the sh- like sharing the gospel is scary. We're so afraid of giving up our life to follow Jesus and live on mission that we often just sit back and do nothing. But that's okay. Not to do nothing, but to have that fear. That is okay. If you hear one thing tonight, it will be this. Proclaiming the gospel is a high and holy calling. But it can be scary. So we must learn to live and walk in boldness. You can see the series is called Scary Stories. And it's based on... 2 Timothy 1.7, that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and of a sound judgment. In this month, we're going to be looking at some of the scariest moments in the lives of people who live on mission boldly. Get excited, because next week, Zane Black will be coming and talking about one of the scariest and most life-altering moments of the Apostle Peter. I know I'm excited for that one, Um, but tonight I just wanted to start the series. Not saying any crazy, scary stories, but simply just speaking to you guys in this room about how we can boldly proclaim the gospel to the world around us. Because, friends, we are a part of a generation that is in a unique cultural moment where, candidly, we we cannot afford to walk around crippled by fear when we carry a message. That the world has never heard anything like it. Like we carry a hope that the world does not understand. So we cannot afford to walk around in fear. Or crippled by fear. So go ahead and open up to 2 Timothy 1. Or it will be on the screen. You can follow it there. See, 2 Timothy is a letter written from the Apostle Paul to this guy named Timothy. Pretty simple. Timothy was considered to be like a son to Paul, someone, someone that Paul invested in and instructed on how to do ministry faithfully. And this, this letter, 2 Timothy, is, a, is another letter Paul has written. It's a, it's a farewell letter to Timothy. Because, see, Paul knows that he is going to die soon. So he sends this last letter, and there's some really incredible encouragement that's important for us tonight. Because, see, Timothy was leading a ministry in a place called Ephesus. And there he was facing incredible persecution. Persecution far worse than people thinking he was weird for talking about Jesus. I'm talking like persecution, like suffering persecution. And to encourage Timothy and to tell Timothy to stand firm in it, Paul writes this letter talking about the boldness and the power that he can have that comes only from God. The Holy Spirit. So go ahead, Timothy 2nd, or sorry, whoa, 2nd Timothy 1. Geez, Louise. Starting at verse 6 through 12, it says, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that is in it, God, the ultimate truth that we can stand firm on and build our life upon. Jesus, you are good. We trust you, Jesus. I love you so much. Thank you for this night. Amen. All right. So there is a lot to cover in this passage. There's a lot going on. And to make sense of it all practically, I want to answer this question tonight. How does Paul's Encouragement to Timothy, instruct us to go forward and live boldly for the gospel in the presence of fear. The text says that the first thing we must do to live boldly is rekindle the gifts that are in you. In verse 6, Paul reminds Timothy to rekindle the gift of God that is in him. You see, kindling is something that is used to help fire burn. Things like leaves and twigs that you can throw on a small flame to help it grow. And so to rekindle is essentially to keep the fire going, to keep tending to it. And I think this idea of rekindling relates to a term that's pretty commonly used in the Christian life. A term that might describe what some of you are experiencing this week. That's the camp high. Another term uh, pretty similar is being on fire for Jesus. Like I hear these things all the time. People will come to me and talk about how they wish they were just more on fire for Jesus and and how they wish they were more on fire in their faith and how they could just get away from living off the camp high. And that's a very real thing to struggle with. Feeling less motivated to follow Jesus or, or even feeling tired of living the Christian life. Like that happens. There are days where I just feel exhausted or worn out and and I don't feel like doing what God's called me to do. Totally just turned my iPad off. Uh, yeah, being on fire. What we see in Second Timothy is that Paul shows us how to live on fire every single day, regardless of those feelings of, man, I just don't feel like I'm there. I'm not on fire. He shows us how to sustain our passion for following Jesus and living out the gospel even when it's hard or scary or there is suffering. And it's to rekindle your giftings, to fan the flame of the giftings that God has given you. Because what we know is true is that when you are a believer in Christ, you are given certain gifts that God intends to use in you. And in order to stay on fire or to live boldly, we have to rekindle them. 1 Corinthians 12, it says, There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. See, my hunch next high school is that maybe where some of you need to start tonight is simply to begin the process of discovering what your giftings are. Your giftings might just be a small ember in the fire pit and you and when you find them you can tend to that ember and you can grow it and ultimately allow it to burn inside of you. And I'm going to tell you when you use the giftings that that belong to you that God has given you your passion and your fire within you burn brighter and hotter and then walking in boldness becomes so much more doable. The times when I get discouraged or I feel burnt out or even struggle with my own faith walk are the moments when I stop tending to the gifts that God has given me. So in my life, it's teaching and shepherding and and, and when other things start to take away from that, It's easy for me to just lose passion and that fire that starts to dwindle a little bit and and go out. Um, Not all the way, but a little bit. And so my encouragement for you, just like Paul's encouraging Timothy, is to find out what those giftings are in your life. And then learn how you can use them properly. And then walk in them. Talk in your small groups about what giftings there are. Open up the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Open it up. Look at the the different giftings and then ask people, ask your leader where they might see that you're gifted in. And truly what the reality is is that it's much easier to tell the things that you're gifted in when you just like start doing them. And so I got a couple practical examples for you. It might look like investing in others. Investing in a younger student, welcoming them into your faith walk. It might look like serving your family at home really well. Hard one for me. Hard one to love my family. It might look like studying the Bible on your own and telling others what you've learned. Maybe it's being a leader on your sports team. Because see, ministry is far more than just what's happening in between the walls of a church. Ministry is whatever is happening in front of you, and that's a good place to be, and that's a good place to find where you're gifted, and once you start doing that, it's like throwing fuel on the fire of your faith. The next thing that we must do to live boldly is to rely on the Spirit. Verse 7, Paul writes, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, Love and sound judgment. You see, remember, Paul is writing to Timothy who's suffering in Ephesus. Like, Timothy doesn't have it easy, so then what does Paul say? Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. In other words, we do not receive a Holy Spirit who increases our fear and our timidity. We receive the Holy Spirit who, despite the fear that we're feeling is a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And you can't have boldness in fear without relying on the Holy Spirit. What Paul writes next is this. It says, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and has called us with a holy calling, Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Could you imagine what it would be like for someone who got thrown in prison for sharing the gospel to tell you to just be bold anyway? Yet Paul's making an important point in such a brutal place. And it's that Timothy must rely solely on the spirit of God within him. He must rely on the spirit of God alone. Like I said at the beginning of this message, the call to proclaim the gospel is a high and holy calling. And so in order to do that calling, we must rely on the Holy Spirit because our own strength is quite simply not enough. And trying to help God accomplish his mission is not the right way to look at it. You see, what God asks of us is to be available to his calling on our lives so that he may use us, not according to the things that we've done or what we're good at, but according to his purpose, which he has determined and made possible by his grace. Being available to this calling looks like being someone who's in prayer often. Because prayer is what aligns our heart with God's. And simply praying about the things in our life allows us to be sensitive to the ways in which God wants to use us. This is a place, this is a thing that I'm so deeply convicted on lately. Because I, I struggle with prayer. But what we know is that prayer aligns our heart with God's. It's conversing with him. It's bringing our life before his and saying, well, what do you want to do with it? So we rekindle the gift of God. And in so doing, we rely on the Holy Spirit's power while we walk through hard things. Just like Timothy in Ephesus. And the third thing that we must do in order to live boldly is to remember the truth. See, this section closes out like this. Paul says, this has now been made evident. What has been made evident? The holy calling on our life. The calling has been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. What I envision when I read this last portion of this text is is Paul just sitting in prison, and he's reflecting on all the suffering and the hardships that he has endured, his life, right? He's coming to the, the end of his life, and he's reflecting on all these things that he went through to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. And as he thinks about it, he writes, it was all worth it. the holy holy calling on my life was worth it because Jesus is real. He really came. I saw him. He revealed himself as God and he defeated death. And he writes, that is the gospel. Paul's saying that for that gospel, I gave up my life. I suffered, but I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed in. In other words, I know the truth about Jesus, and I believe that he is going to keep his promise, and he's going to keep me forever. So yes, I can live boldly even from the floor of a prison, writing the word of God. Friends, feel the weight of this encouragement. We can walk boldly even when we fear because at the end of the day, we know what is true. We know that Jesus is king and that the gospel is the only thing that saves. And so the truth propels us to be bold in the face of lies and in the face of fear. Remember the truth. Remember the truth. See, sharing the gospel, giving up your life for the mission is is scary. It can be scary. We're going to struggle with our fear of what people think about us. We're going to be afraid of what it might cost us to live on mission. I experience that every day. Relationships. Time. What people think. But despite that fear, we can live boldly. And I know that there are plenty of students in this room who want to live on fire for Jesus. Because you've told me you want to. I've gotten those texts, man. I just want to live for Jesus. And I want you to know that I want nothing. I, w- I want that for you too. Like, that is exactly what I want for you. And, and if that's you, if you want to live on fire for the gospel, then think practically about how you can apply these three things to your life. Number one is remind each other of the gifts. That you have, If you want to live on fire for the gospel, remind each other of the gifts that you have. Discover what they are and then affirm them in each other. And number two is constantly remember that the Holy Spirit lives in you. If you want to live on fire for the gospel, constantly remember that the Holy Spirit lives in you. See, the Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is in you and that holds a power far greater than any of your own power. And thirdly, if you want to live on fire for the gospel, constantly be in the word. Constantly be in the word. Know the truth well so that you can remember it in the midst of a fearful circumstance. And I'm going to invite worship team back up as we close this out. So we look at these three things, and I just want you to know that if you do them, like if you apply these three things, you will be able to walk in boldness and be faithful to the high and holy calling that God has put on your life. And there's nothing more important than that calling. We need to rise up as the next generation of the church and live on fire for the gospel right here in this community and all around the world. You see, we can be a generation that boldly proclaims that there is no more fear in Satan's number one weapon. Like I was reading Hebrews today. It talks about how Satan's number one domain, his weapon where he does his work, where he leads people to, is death. And so we can proclaim that there is no more power in death because Jesus defeated it when he rose from the grave. That we, that's the, we can be a generation that says, that is the message. That is the truth. And friends, as hard as it, as hard as it is to share the gospel sometimes, as, as awkward as it might feel, it's a whole lot of fun. Just like when I rappelled down that mountain, that thing that felt so scary in the moment ended with, man, I got to do that again. So give, give it a try. Share the gospel. And I I truly believe you'll get to the end of that process and you'll be like, man, I got to do that again. That was beautiful. That was a whole lot of fun. That was hard. That was scary. But God is faithful. Fight fear with faithfulness. Jesus, as we worship you, God, would you remind us that you defeated death? The grave has no power. the very thing that Satan rules in is defeated by you. You're so good. God, I just pray on behalf of every student in this room that you would develop in us a fire to be on mission for your gospel. Because Jesus, you are gonna come back. And Jesus, I pray that you would come back soon. God, we got to bring the gospel to people. You've called us to do it. It's a high and holy calling. So would you empower us with your spirit and help us stand on the truth. In Jesus' name I pray.